Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Dungeon Master Discussion. I am your host, Zach. This is a show where I interview a multitude of different Dungeon Masters on their favorite or most knowledgeable topics, and I dig into their brain and try and figure out what we can extrapolate to possibly use at not only my table, but your table as well. So today I have a wonderful guest. I have uh, a DM that I've played a few one-shots with, uh, Alicia Schuster. Welcome. Welcome. The crowd goes wild. Today we're here to discuss the difference between <coughs> 3.5 and 5th edition, as uh, we both started in 3.5, uh, and we've now moved to 5th edition. You've been in a few battle royales. Uh, I've been doing 5th edition professionally now for since September, so we've gotten a good taste of both. Uh, what, what, are, what are some things that you've really noticed have changed yourself? The changes that I've noticed is just how much they simplified some things that they made very complicated in 3.5 that I didn't necessarily realize were complicated mm -hmm. and I kind of fought against for a little while when I was making the first transition. But now that I have played for three or now that I have played fifth edition for quite a while now, they're really big changes. Like they simplify so many things and they did a really good job i missed 3.5 yeah but the changes are there's a lot of changes which mm -hmm. is really good and you don't really realize it until you're messing up rules left right and center being like oh shit was that 3.5 oh the skill checks the skill yeah. checks oh the skill checks skill that checks. is i think if they make a sixth edition they really cannot be messing around with my skill checks no all the names making the same check a different name. I understand moving uh, look and listen into perception. It makes sense. Because I can just ask you to make a perception check, and depending on your role, I can just make it up. I can just be like, you know what? Uh, you were supposed to hear this conversation, but you rolled so poorly, so you smell this butternut squash, a foreshadow for something later. So I like that for me as a DM, but something like... It used to be knowledge history. Now it's just history. The amount of times I've asked my players when I very first started fifth edition to make a knowledge history check, and they're like, "I only have history. I don't. I don't have knowledge history." I'm like, I don't know what knowledge history is. Yeah, they took out. They took out pretty much all of the knowledge, history, lore, dungeoneering. Now it's all just specific. They fall into specific skill checks. It cleans it up though. Oh yes. Hundred percent. It cleaned it up. But I find myself referring back to a lot of 3.5 skill checks where I'm like, hey, I want to do this epic thing. Let me. <laughs> so I want to do a climb check, and then I want to do. What is it even acrobatics? Oh my god. Check? I don't even know. Uh, like climbing, riding. Oh, yes, a ride um, check. Swimming. Yep. There's a ton of them. Now Every it's just athletics and uh, acrobatics. Yeah, which is gr great. It makes sense. It really does make sense. I think uh, a cool thing about 5th edition is they gave a lot of power to the DM. Uh, but the problem was is that they left us high on dry on materials to use ourselves. They're like, here's the idea. Here's the format. Go. And we're like, but just give me. Just give me. 3.5 was... Uh, they would give you and give you and give you Monster Manual 1, Monster Manual 2, Monster Manual 3, 
Plains, Adventure, Savage, Unearth Arcana, Complete Divine, like That's three point. Small, small collection of three point five. A tiny books. collection. But these three point five books came out over a very vast period of time, and now we're looking into it. And if you look at the collection we have here, we've almost got all of the books that have come out so far, and they are coming out. They have provided us with content. If they're just slowly putting it out and they're giving us little bits at a time and little bits at a time and I think that us seasoned players the players who have played you know 3.5 and we had all this vast information we had all of this customization at our fingertips you know that was curated over a period of time and we got very used to that and for a seasoned player from 3.5 you know it can seem very boring to come in and be like you know, oh, I want to make this epic character and multi-class and, you know, prestige class. And I want to be able to get these awesome, you know, characteristics. And I want six my... feats. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the feats thing kind of bothers me. But we'll talk about that we'll after. That um, but with 5th edition, I, I do also personally feel that the them releasing the expansion books has been a little slow. I think they're really on releasing the playable books. So, like... Curse of Strahd. Tyranny of Dragons, Curse of Strahd. Curse of Salt Marsh. Whereas, like, um. Now I'm blanking. 3.5. Uh, Xanthar's it. Guide oh. to Everything. Uh, what's the new one that just came out? Path is oh, Cauldron yes. of Everything. Those are the books where we had, like, 30 different books that provided us with what classes could do differently and how you could customize things differently and different rules for DMs to go off of. You know, we're getting, like, three books a year, and we're like, no, get just speed this up. But I think it's going to be a lot of patience on our end, and I think they are being smart about it by releasing it a little bit slower so that people can digest the information that they're providing without getting lost in the content. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a thing about 3.5, which kind of, it's very good that I'm a, I'm a, yeah, good enough, let's continue. Uh, type of like gamer like I'm not I, I'm like I want a power bill I want to be strong but I'm very happy with just good enough this is too much go ahead when yep. you get when you get when you guys very first gave me uh, I got given just the player's handbook to start this was like what I was told to work with and then when I came with my character they're like one one player was like that's all right but you want to have him make him way better and I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right. And he laid down four different books in front of me. He's like, go through all the feats, and uh, we will we'll, we'll make them stronger. I'm like, fuck you. My, that fighter is great, and I'm going to stick with him. So it can be a lot. So having, getting people used to it and making it almost like a secondhand thing, like, definitely makes a difference. It does. It's frustrating for seasoned players who want more content faster, who can absorb the content faster, but, you know, we also have to realize that D&D has really, really sparked up over the last couple of years. A lot of new players are being introduced to the game, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. Anybody should really try it. It's a great release. You, know, you just try to get to lose yourself in something that's not reality for a little while and enjoy your time with your friends and not have to care about... The constraints of society around you like we do every day of our lives and that's why D&D is such a good outlet for people and I think that's why people are really into it now yeah. especially that we're stuck at home all oh, of the time it's a great social time 
great yeah. social moment. All that sort of said, they, they're just kind of glad to be able to hang out with a group of four friends and forget that there's COVID going on. Yep. Even though we're online, we kind of just for a moment forget that we're bad things are going on outside. The table's changed a little bit, but, you know, we're still, you still see a big influx of people trying out D&D, and I think that's why I'm not super angry about the fact that we don't have a major influx of content that is at our disposal. I can yeah. understand. Yeah. Uh, so, speaking of feats, the, a, lot of, a lot of feats were taken away. In fifth edition, the, the the importance of feats was definitely di- diminished. What do you think? Feats are actually the only real issue that I have with fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they took the feats. So, correct me if I'm wrong, because it has been a little while since I played fifth edition, but I'm pr- or since I played three point five. But I'm pretty sure that in three point five, you got feats at every select set of levels. So at yeah. third level you would get a feat. Uh, at first level if you were a human you started off with a feat. Yeah. And you got to choose from a variety of feats. Now yes, the way that they organized the system of feats and you trying to figure out what feats you wanted could definitely have been fixed. That was just a shit show. But the fact that they not only took that away completely but they made you choose between your ability points and a feat really mm-hmm. frustrates me because mm-hmm. I feel like it takes away a customization of your character that 3.5 made so good. Yeah. You could really dive into playing a class just by selecting certain feats, but now it's not worth it because mm-hmm. your skill points, or sorry, your attribution points are so important throughout this game that you don't want to miss out on that two plus on your strength if you're a barbarian when you're hitting those high levels. You need them. You can't fight these epic level monsters if you don't have the points in your stats to help you along. And when you're having to choose between your feats that could, you know, create this epic character in your mind and help you dive deeper into role playing, Mm -hmm. you know, you're stuck with a choice that's in my opinion, not fair. And that is only my opinion. Mm-hmm. But playing 3.5, it that was a hard transition for me. I still, to this day, am like, I just want feats. And then they took them all away, also. Like, they, they really dumbed down the feats that you could have. But yep. I really haven't even gone through them because it hasn't been worth taking a feat. Okay. You know what? This actually brings me to my next line. My next question is: um, Have you noticed a you, you might it might it'll come around to feats eventually, but have you noticed a difference in gameplay between three point five and five? Have you noticed people playing differently? Yes, I find that the gameplay in general, so the way the combat runs, is much faster. So it allows people to role play a little bit more, mm-hmm. and there's a bit more freedom of role play. Um, the rules are structured better and they're easier to find when you're going through the books and I think that they did a really good job at describing rules a little clearer Mm -hmm. and kind of taking away the you know the extra baggage that wasn't necessary to make combat clean effective and immerse the player at the same time Mm -hmm. and I really appreciate that because I think that a big part of D&D is being able to role play a character but still have fun while playing combat 
that's actually something we seen right before we started is we looked in the 3.5 manual. The combat is 20 the combat chapter is 27 pages long in this. Fifth edition it is nine pages long. They have cut it into one third of the amount of descriptions. And that makes a lot of sense with how they've added advantage and disadvantage. You don't need to describe a lot of these no, flanking, dashes, um, charges. We don't have those anymore. Um, there's, and uh, like the, when you just take a dodge action. Yep. Yeah, they did a lot of changes, which is really good. There's a lot of information in here. Right. And uh, so, essentially, it, it definitely has gone faster. You're, you're meant to hit more, and your, your heroes are meant to kind of roll through combat. You're meant to feel like heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I have noticed about combat and roleplay in general is uh, those feats made everyone very somewhat linear. You had one to maybe three things that you were good at, but you were very good at those one to three things. And it, since the skill list was larger, there were more things to be good at. Yeah. So everyone was so specialized. So when you got into combat, it wasn't a whole discussion about should you go in front, uh, what spell combo should we use. It was a question of... Uh, I am the shield guy. I do the shield things. I am the bow guy. I do the bow things. I am the area of effect guy. I do the area of effect things. Like you were very, you're creating a character that was very structured. structured. Like you could create different characters, but fifth edition really allows you to be not shit at anything really. You're not you're not great at everything, but you're not garbage. I think it did I think the fifth edition did a really good job at making the players realize that they're not that far off from a regular person. Like the idea is is that you you choose to become an adventurer. Mm -hmm. You're not just born and let me rephrase that. Typically, you're not just born an adventurer with all these epic skills. You're not coming out the womb shooting triple multi-shot arrows out of your bow. That just doesn't happen. And just as, you know, we as people don't just, you know, know what we're going to be when we're children. We have ideas of what we want to be, but we don't know. So an adventurer starts off as just a normal person. Yep. And they work to become these adventures and they gain skills and they get stronger and then it makes them better than the common folk but in reality you are just a common folk who's a little bit stronger and i think that in 3.5 it you know you got this serious version of epicness from a character and it was very hard to relate a character to just a common person mm. around and you know you're just a god now, in 5th edition, I'm sure by the time you reach level 20, which I haven't had the, you know, luxury of reaching yet, that you feel god-tier. But I think in the early levels, just making you feel more mediocre so you can't really throw a bunch of stuff into one area to be super strong in one area necessarily mm. all of the time, that it keeps you at a bar. 
I definitely agree, especially with um, at, at first as you started saying this, the the first thought in my head was like, no, like that doesn't make sense. Like fifth edition, you're meant to, you're it's designed to let you hit more and do more damage. <sighs> that also applies to the enemy. So the enemies are out here hitting more, doing more damage. So that also comes into effect. So that can also make you. You're not going to come into a campaign 18, 17, 18 AC anymore. You're going to start low. Yeah, the AC was a big hit to my ego a little bit. You were shocked. You were like, what do you mean I'm only 14? I'm wearing like plate or like scale mail or something. Yeah, no. I, I had a really mail. hard time with that one. I think I played a fighter and mm -hmm. it was like, I'm like, is this like broken? Am I missing something? Is there something I'm physically missing in my setup here that is preventing me from having the proper AC? Because like I'm confused. And he's like, no, you just really don't get over 20 AC. And I'm like, why? Now, but it's not bad. Right? It's not bad. It's not bad. It's, I, I miss a lot of things about 3.5. Please tell me that. That was my very next question. Was what, what else besides feats? Are you missing? Because I think I have an I might have an answer for you. I honestly just what are you miss. Missing? I miss the customization as yeah. much as I can understand that. Like, it may have been very narrow, but I think that everybody is an individual. We all have very specific things that we can do as a person that make us who we are. Yes. And to be able to customize your character, to choose to customize, because you didn't have to. That's a big thing about three point five. Is it was very very loose like you got the chance to do whatever you want yep. whatever you want and so you had the choice to really get in there and dive into your character and you know really narrow into who you want to be i lost my train of thought there i apologize well, there's so many feats that we had like we had four books of feats and we have a small collection so imagine if you're a 3.5 god and you have eight books Ten books and like probably ten magazines with feats in them. Um, you you can make your character anything. It was all available there for you. Mm -hmm. So I do miss that expansive ability to customize my character. But with the books that I've seen them come out for fifth edition, I do have the hope that they will continue putting these books out and continue providing us with content at a reasonable pace where I don't need it to come out super fast because I understand I want other people to enjoy this hobby. I want other people to get into this hobby and I don't want them to be overwhelmed because by the time I started D&D &D even, there were so many books and it took me a really long time to just like even get into the game at first because it was so much information to take in. Just start with this, everyone. Yes. If you're worried, if you're thinking, what D&D book should I get started with? It's all you need. You can go on amazing adventures with this small tome. And this small tome. You were you were saying earlier about the cover difference. You kind of missed the, 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 almost the tomey. I miss it looking like a cool tome book. Uh, that's what 3.5 is really popular for. There's all of pretty much all of them there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, right away you can see the the hinges on the side here. Oh yeah, they all got little hinges. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Just little things. Sure, I've noticed that before. Just haven't cared. 
Well, the, the great thing about 5th edition is they really did give it to the DMs, and I don't think any of these things are really gone. I think they're a temporary. Um, they're, 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 they're passing as temporary. We, we will eventually become high enough level D&D players to be able to resurrect them from the ground and use their undead corpses to swarm the D&D capital for knowledge. Mm -hmm. But until then, we're going to need a, a, a bunch of creators. Like, D&D uh, is not going to be able to launch everything. Um, uh, we talked two weeks ago with Dave Paints. Uh, he created the... Um, can't remember spell the first tone? name. The spell tone with Magnus. over hundred. Mag, mag, Magnus. Magnus. Yes, Magnus. I wanted to say Magnum too. We realized that was a tough. Magnus's uh, spell spell book. Over a hundred different spells, and I'm, I'm very excited for that because I can use that in my games. Um, and we can definitely do that with like prestige classes, feats. Like the feats now are definitely watered down. So creating a feats book is definitely difficult because how many other watered down effects can you add? Or else are you just going to make OP feats and just be like, this is a strong feats book. Add in your game if you really want to have some strong feats. But we're going to, we can have that um, in individualism still. We just kind of have to make it ourselves now. Yep, and then I think that you can do that by playing off of positive and negative traits of a character, and the fact that they did add more individuality to the classes that they put out right off the bat, the different um, paths you can take as a druid. Yes. Like, those things were very clear-cut. Uh, the way of the monks, that stuff they had available in the player's handbook right away, whereas in 3.5 it wasn't really that cut and dried. You had to look elsewhere for it. And there is really cool abilities that the classes have that the classes in 3.5 didn't get off of the bat, and that's what you got from the feats. Mm -hmm. So, as much as I'm like, oh, I miss this part so much, it's not a part that is detrimenting the game in the end. And it's something that, you know, with a logical conversation, I can be like, yeah, you know, it's not that bad to have lost. It's just something that was, it was a fun mechanic for 3.5 that I enjoyed. Yeah. And I miss it. That's great. I don't miss the skills, though. No. The 15 million skills. No, I don't mind that. I don't mind skilling. I, I don't mind having a character that for some reason has like a plus 12 in luck, but I'm fucking deaf. I'm just, yeah, I'm done with it. Because then when I get asked to roll listen checks, I'm like, can I look around? No. You can only listen. <laughs> Grumpy Zach. Um, another thing that I actually really do think helped this edition was the internet. Um, when I started playing 3.5 with you guys, I definitely went to Google and searched 3.5 feats, 3.5 spells, 3.5. You get a good good amount of knowledge. We've cataloged it quite well, but not to the level of 5th edition. Um, you just you can't get everything. And that's all, the whole issue. Um... Have you have you ever moved anything from three point five to fifth edition or thought about how it might work? 
truthfully, no. Um, and I don't think that I would. Okay. And if I ever do, I will let you know. Yes. Why wouldn't you? <coughs> just, just because you wouldn't, or is there any like feel sacrilegious? Not even. I think that. I don't think there is anything in 3.5 that 5th edition didn't cover fixing in some way. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I haven't... I have just DM'd a lot of one-shots mm -hmm. with 5th edition versus the campaigns that I ran with 3.5. And playing one-shots and running long-term campaigns, they are different. They're different beasts, and you don't have to have as much information looked into for your one-shots, because you don't have to do the research to necessarily come up with some ridiculous scheme for your last game, and now you've got to go search through, you know, piles of D&D &D information to be like, well, how is this even going to work? I don't know. You've got to figure it out. And you're just like, yeah, that's me. Mm -hmm. I know exactly how to fix that. It's funny. <laughs> the, the lack of like those rules, like, yeah, there's, uh, I believe in Stallmarks they talk about ship mechanics, but like, there's not a whole lot of rules, like, like HP, AC of like different things. Like, I remember there was a book in 3.5 where it was like, bookshelf, 25 AC, 6 AC. I'm like, and it just did that with a multitude of objects. And I'm almost glad 5th edition didn't do all those rules because it almost, Finally hammered in to people that the the DM gets the final say. Yes. Because they, when people went from three point five to fifth edition, they're like, "Well, where's the rule for this? We need to check." And there's like, there is no rule. I am the rule. Yeah, I like that. I always played D and D from the get go as you know, DM rules. Mm -hmm. I have played with people who are very rule lorry over what is in the book. And it's hard on everybody at the table when you take the game so seriously that it's the rule written verbatim in the book that you have to go by. When in reality, you're playing a make-believe game in a made-up realm. And everything that you're doing is based off a circumstance of wherever you got yourself. So... Just because a rule in the book says something, the person who wrote that rule probably didn't think that Joe was going to think about throwing the horse off the cliff after kicking Susie in the shins. And now we don't know how that's supposed to work. And now the DM has to make the final rule on that. And yeah. I think that, you know, one thing we touched on earlier is that 3.5 or 5th edition uh, has or that a lot of people are going to have to come together to get more information for 5th edition together, yeah. and it's going to take the community to provide more information and more content for us. And that's what happened with 3.5. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these books, that, like the book you're talking about, where it's you know discussing the AC and HP of you know minute, unimportant items. Somebody is going to do it. You know, that's a book that Please. probably came out down the line because mm -hmm. somebody just wanted to get it out there. And I think what 5th edition has done a really good job with is they've separated things. So you have the world of Eberron, and you have the, what's that magazine that they go off of? Uh, 
unearthed arcana. Oh, okay. Um, they keep those rules separate from the core game. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go and expand yourself into these, you know, homebrew rules, because I'm pretty sure that's how Unearthed Arcana works, is people send in... Sun release. Um, Okay. So essentially they'll work on something and they'll have an idea for it. They'll put in Unearthed Arcana. And essentially... We play test it. Yeah, essentially Unearthed Arcana is essentially their way of being like, we really want to publish this. Can you play it, and we'll see what you bitch about. Ah, you don't like that. Well, that's... Or we don't like that. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Because then you're not stuck with a bunch of content that doesn't necessarily work all of the time. And if everyone wants to play one class out of the Unearthed Arcana, they know it's OP. They know it's broken. That's why when... I think the last Unearthed Arcana was like Fire Druid, and it had like an innate fireball forget what the Unearthed Arcana version is. It had a fireball, essentially. And then in the new one, they took it away. Because everyone is raving about how much they love the fireball. Because it was overpowered. People don't rave about D&D class unless they're with that. I don't, I don't. Like, I guess, like, if there was a fire druid. But, like, wouldn't a fire druid just catch a lot of shit on fire? Listen, I, I didn't read enough to, right, yeah, to no, know we'll the full thing. We'll just, I just heard about people <laughs> bitching that they removed the fireball, and I was like... Ouch. I stay away from Unearthed Arcana. I don't. I, there's so much other things I have to to know and learn. I'm learning about cinematics and, the, and other things. Rules are no longer important. <laughs> it's a story and a show now. And it should be. It should be fun. It should be relaxing, and it shouldn't be about. Over relax. My players wouldn't say they exactly feel relaxed. <laughs> Not relaxed isn't like I'm gonna sit there uh, and I'm like oh yeah. I don't know. I mean, relaxed about playing the game in general, not feeling like they're going to be attacked or they're not doing something right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're playing a person at the end of the day. You're playing who you want to be, who you have imagined in your mind as an epic person. And (laughs) you shouldn't be held by the constraints of a rule in the book. You should be held by the constraints of what your DM says at the table and play within those bounds. It's funny. We we're, we're, we our episode is about how three point five changed the fifth edition, and yet in the end, it really doesn't matter what edition you're playing. Like I've played many. I played Pathfinder two. I played uh, the horror D and D, or I shouldn't call it that. People get very mad. Uh, the horror Call TTRPG. It. Call of Cthulhu. God, people are getting so you. mad I called horror d and <laughs> uh, Anyways. Um, Blasphemy! But all the same. Besides combat, I find it's all the same. It is, it is all the same. Uh, an RPG is an RPG is an RPG. You can put us in Fairyland. You can put us in Future. You can put us right in the next room. If you really wanted to, we could roleplay about that. You know, roleplay about anything. Roleplay never changes. It's just that pain. the combat. So that's another thing about the Fifth Edition. I didn't find any of the roleplay changed. The yeah. game itself, Dungeons and Dragons, did not change. No. Uh, the combat changed. Um, the leveling characters changed. I don't even actually feel like that much in combat actually changed no. other than refining rules that didn't either need to be there or that needed to be cleaned up and characterized as something different so that people could just understand 
clearer. You know, it's, they did a really good job at making things very clear-cut and understandable, and that is what this game needed to get other people into it. Yes. In you know, my opinion. No, I agree. <laughs> Uh, something I can get your opinion on. An important thing I think for session zero is actually talking to the group about how close to the rules you want to play. Um, it's something I, I haven't done in a session zero yet, but it's something I had been thinking about, uh, especially when we were coming over these rules, where I was like, the only thing that matters are the combat rules. So you can almost ask them, be like, are we going to stick right by it, advantage, disadvantage? Uh, you can do grapples, just the basic attack grapple or whatever other actions you have. Or do you want to have like cool things? Do we want to do like uh, like disarms and like grapples with ropes and like lassos? Like, do we want to start going expanding that combat so you can do more wild shit? Mm -hmm. I think that those are good questions to ask a table that at least has a few experienced players. Mm -hmm. Usually, you know, when you're playing a game, you've always got one unexperienced person at your table, so you can never. We love hear... you. Yeah, we do. We do. God damn, love you. The game you become amazing. an experience. You become experienced. But you can't cater to that unexperienced player all the time. No. And I think that you do a really cool thing, actually, that you've talked to me before about about doing a questionnaire of mm -hmm. asking your players uh, certain questions so that you can kind of gauge where they are. Um, and their comfortability in playing D&D. Uh, sometimes you have players who are really into combat, and they're not really heavy into role play. And so you want to know those sort of things as a DM so that you can provide the best experience for everybody at the table, and you can balance everybody's needs accordingly to how you want to run your campaign. And I feel like that is a super smart thing. And adding things in, like, do you want to you know, hold true to combat rules? You know, Is this something that you know, you want to make sure happens, or do you want a little bit of freedom? Because one thing that I do in my campaigns that not a lot of DMs do, I find, um, is I don't necessarily stick fully to the movement rule. If somebody makes it within five feet of an opponent and they're trying to do something super cool, mm -hmm. I will let them go that extra five feet. Yeah. Because if I don't, to me, I feel like I'm just halting the momentum of their role play during combat and sometimes it can be really hard for a player to get into role play during combat and sometimes it just takes you bending that rule of you can only go 30 feet to okay you know it's not unreasonable that in a great rage and you're running across the battlefield that you push yourself that extra little bit to get to that enemy and it just immerses your player a little bit more and it allows them to get a full play out at once you know if it's 10 15 feet no don't do it because that's just you know in the sense of D, &D combat it's not realistic that a human being <laughs> a, a thing a, a being there we go a being can push themselves like that but an extra five feet isn't you speak the legendary most important rule of D, &D. the rule of cool <laughs> yes, it is. It is the rule of cool. It, it is a great piece of advice that I received as a DM very early, and it's not preventing your players from being able to do the cool things that are going to keep them immersed in your game because of a stickling rule, because yep. of a technicality. You know, give them 
the freedom. And you'll really find that your players will be more immersed. They'll be more willing to do the outlandish things that get everybody laughing at the table, that are memorable, that you talk about years down the road when you're like, hey, do you remember that campaign we did? Like, those are the good memories that you want to take away from D&D, in my opinion. Let your rules stop you from having fun, essentially. Yeah, essentially. And that's what isn't very different. I think that because so much information came out for 3.5, that near the end, everybody became very rule ticklish. And you found a lot of people that just wanted to follow the rules. But the player handbook and the dungeon master guide both say within the first three pages that the DM has say. That this is the DM's game and it's a game of make-believe and role-play and something to immerse yourself into. So it's not like 3.5 didn't do the same thing that 5th edition did. Mm -hmm. I think 5th edition was just... I think we have more people entering the game now than they did when 3.5 was happening. Mm -hmm. And they're doing a better job at providing the content openly to people. Yeah, I can't complain about it. Right? It's not not terrible. Oh, we, oh yes, I, I think everyone then. Uh, you know, you know, it's funny. Um, I almost thought about it before our show, and uh, the D and D editions, the players of the editions, look at each other, kind of how uh, our different like age groups look at each other. Like we look at the the first edition players as our boomers. We're like, okay, okay, okay. Here's your dice. You and your sketches. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then we have our <laughs> our three point five is like our um, millennials who are just like, yeah, cool, man. No, no, no. We 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 love rules. We live by a structure, but we know it. We know we live in a structure. And then the Gen Z is like, I'm a tiefling paladin, but I'm evil. <laughs> there, yeah. Gen Z. But I love, that's my people. That, those are your people. They definitely are. Yeah, I can definitely say that they gave players some major freedom in class and race and choice. But then it also confines you, I have also noticed. And warlocks suck. What happened to warlocks? War. What happened to those poor fools? Some some people will, uh, will argue, but I'm not one. No. I am not. When it comes to combat, when you play a warlock in PvP, mm. you realize... The good thing is, warlocks, uh, you give them an hour, and they're back up and ready to go. That's the good thing about a warlock. A warlock never needs an eight-hour rest. Yeah, but a warlock can die real fucking fast and run out of spells real yes. And combat... Combat can go on for a long time, guys. Oh, man. No, I've, I've always... The the additions of rules have never phased me. I I got invited to do um what's the other one? Not D and D Pathfinder Second Edition. It just came out, and the London Comic Con needed someone to run it in like a week. And they were like, "We're looking for experienced DMs of Pathfinder," and I was like, "Pathfinder's D and D, right?" <laughs> so I looked it up. I like read about it. There's a lot of cool rules in there I liked, but like all I read, all I read, was the combat mechanics. Well, that matters. The role playing is role playing. I got to the table, went through the game. After the game, I was like, "Did you guys know that I was a first time DM?" And they're like, 
Oh no! Uh, well, it's nice to meet you. We're the London Pathfinder community leaders. I'm like, what? <laughs> Thank you for not telling me before. <sighs> I crap my. I mean, I've played so many games I... of Pathfinder. Oh, I'm a champion. Pathfinder. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I asked you. I wouldn't believe it either. That's because I, I I am experienced. <laughs> <clears throat> I was like, I was thinking I was just gonna get a bunch of random people. And no, no, of course get the, the leaders. But I got my free London um, Comic Con pass. Oh, there you go. So it paid for itself. But yeah, as long as you know the combat rules, I think you're good in really any edition. Pretty much. Pretty I much. Could, I could agree with that. And there's some other like skill stuff that you have to know, but as long as you've written your skills down properly and you know what number to add to your D20 and mm -hmm. you understand the concept of rolling a D20. To be able to do anything at all in this game. You want to walk up the stairs? Got to roll a d20. Oh, you rolled a one? Well, I guess you're walking down them. I mean falling down them on your face. And the great thing about online D&D, &D, if uh, you guys haven't learned, is the stalled tactics you have are unlimited. Unlimited! There is no more, oh, guys, one second, I need to look up this rule. No more. I need to get a note. My computer's lagging. Oh, I gotta grab a dice. Need a drink. Like, uh, just one second, guy. Just say, hey, just one second. Yeah. And people will be like, for what? For, for what? And they'll be like, yeah, you can do that. And they'll be like, okay. Thank you. No, that is true. A little bit of, uh, it really makes that DM screen a lot bigger. The DM wall. It's a wall. <laughs> where I can just say, I'm just like at a service menu, giving story and plot and death. And then every so often I just shut it and I'm just like, go back to my little workbook. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I just oh Google, what is happening in my own campaign? It's just like, we don't know. Same! Same! We lost uh, you two sessions ago. <laughs> oh, man. Would there be... I know you don't like adding rules, but without consequence, if you had to add a rule to 5th edition, what rule would you add? What do you add to it? I know you like Could I take something away? Ooh, yes, of course. I would take away the fact that you have to choose between a feat mm. and your skill points. Or your... Sorry, your... Ability, ability points. points. There we go. That's what they're called. We know what. Between your feats and your ability points, and then just keep the same feats that they have. They they work. They just add a little something, and then do it every like five levels. So you get one feat. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. A little extra health. Mm -hmm. You know, a little extra movement. That way, as you get farther along and higher up in levels, you feel like you're gaining a little bit more. Yeah. You know, I actually have noticed as well is the fighters and melee classes aren't left as far out. There's not as big of a gap between them and casters. Casters have definitely gotten powerful, but due to cantrips. Uh, however, now melee characters, they kind of keep up near those later levels. Well, in 3.5, around level 10, I don't know why you'd want to have a fighter when you can have wizards. Yeah, they knew a lot of spells. It's like, just have a few wizards. It's like, yeah, we might have to long rest a lot, but 
Wolf, anything that gets in her way. But a barbarian got... Oh, you... Well, yeah, no, a barbarian yeah. got right off the bat at 10th level free attacks without having... But there were no bonus actions. So it's just... That's it. That's all you got to do. So I guess there was a big gap, and now it's definitely not as far in those later levels. Like, in our Battle Royale, we don't have a... We didn't, in our second round, didn't have a whole horde of fighters and barbarians. We had some. I think we had two barbarians. Mm -hmm. But most were uh, casters, and like we even had two fighters. So the melee classes were right up there with them, ready to come into the fight. Yep, I can agree with that. They uh, they leveled out the classes better so that people didn't feel like somebody was being left behind. Oh, it's, it's still possible. It's still possible. There are many campaigns where, like, uh, I have a six-level campaign. Everyone looks at the barbarian like, Oh, God, you'd kill us all. And you wouldn't be at half hit points by the time you left. Is there, uh, this is something I don't know about 5th edition that mm -hmm. is in 3.5. So, for instance, when you died in 3.5 and were resurrected, you lost experience points. Mm -hmm. So if you were, you know, 1,500 experience points into your next level, you would lose half of that mm -hmm. and then be down a level. Yeah. Is there that mechanic in 5th edition or did they get rid of it? They did not describe any mechanic for that purpose of leaving it up to the DM. I think uh, that's awesome. Because, to be honest, death death after death is really DM's choice, I, I think. Because if you give a rule for death, you, make, you get rid of a lot of narrative that you can use. I've used death countless times to drive my players further or drive them further down the hole of insanity, whatever I'm really in the mood for at that point. Well, it is neat that they did add the death saving throws, mm -hmm. and it kind of takes place of, you know, that. What did we do for when we got knocked unconscious? And so the way that died? it worked, no. So the way that it worked is you slowly bled out for negative 10 HP. Yeah, oh yes. And once you hit negative 10 HP, then you die. Then you die, yeah. And so each turn, if you weren't healed, then you would lose 1 HP. And so you lost all of 10 HP. You were still considered unconscious. Mm -hmm. So it's similar to the three death saving throws. They just do it much quicker. Yes. Also, there's no negative 10 rule. Yes. Uh, if you get hit unconscious, you don't go into negatives. You hit zero. And uh, if you're healed, you're just back up. Okay. So if... Yeah, if you went on, if you had three HP, you got hit for twenty three HP. You'd only go to zero, and then if you were healed, you'd go healed for three. You'd be at three HP and conscious. Yeah. So the way that I always so played it definitely it, made it a lot harder to kill PCs. Mm -hmm. They can get back up like that, and I'm like, no, stay down. There was a rule in three point five that I never followed to the T. Mm -hmm. I never penalized my players for dying if they decided to be resurrected. Just didn't think it was necessarily fair, and it also makes it really hard to keep a player up with the rest of their party when they're losing a level and then half their experience that they had going towards the level that they were supposed to be at. Mm -hmm. Frustrating. Well, since I have you here, and it might be a little bit longer till we get there, let's just go into some general rules. Are there any important rules for D&D &D that you think, for, for your table, that you think are a must? 
Like out of the book? Yeah, out of the book, in you, the things that you've maybe created, like uh, you not taking XP when they're resurrected. Is there any important rules? One for me um, would definitely be what is important? I have a lot of rules that I have to <laughs> Uh, I would say a rule that I definitely haven't had to use, thankfully, is I have negatives starting at negative two for people that medicate. And my players are smart. They know I'm a kind DM, so they just try and get things out really quickly. Hey, we're in the bag. I'm holding up. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, but I got it out. I got it out. And I'm like, I haven't given it out that punishment yet, but I'm close with a few. <laughs> I've definitely punished players at the table for being obnoxious or rude or you know just piss me off <laughs> pissing me off and I think to an extent the in certain in certain situations a DM has to be okay with doing that and it's just a way to corral your group back into thinking sensibly about the situation that they're in or the circumstance that they're under. And I have had, or even the, the circumstance that they're with when they're with each other. I find that a lot of the problems that I have with my players is not them in game. Mm -hmm. It's them outside of the game. Mm -hmm. And it always makes me very frustrated when I see people get angry with each other because of the game. And so one of my rules is every time I sit down to play a game, you've heard my speech. I always sit down and tell people, like, this is a safe place. We do not have any negative banter. If you feel like you're being attacked by somebody or there's something that you don't like, come and talk to me personally. I can give you tips and tricks. But try to solve your problems and don't bring it to the table. If you're pissed off because something happened to your character in the game, don't take it out on everybody else at the table because you're just bringing everybody's mood down. Things are going to happen all of the time in your real life and at the D&D table that you don't like and that you're not going to like and we're not meant to like everything that happens. And so you have to view how you play at the table very similar to how you're going to react in your real life too. And you can't just get mad every time something doesn't go your way it's just how it is. So I make sure it's very clear to my players that they know that I don't tolerate that stuff. I do not tolerate bullying at the table. And another thing I don't tolerate is people making fun of or picking at other people's character choices. Mm -hmm. I hate that. That is like schoolyard bullying level. You know, you just don't make fun of another player about their character, especially to their face. If you think that it's silly or whatever, you're fine to think that. That's your opinion. But when it's wrong and when your opinion becomes wrong is when you chastise somebody because of their likes and their beliefs. So I have a no no tolerance. You know, I will talk to you once and if you can't change the way that you play at the table, well, I'll have to ask you to step away because this game is not suited to I am not the DM suited to you. Yes. Yes. The, that's the thing about this show especially is the reason I'm talking to so many different DMs is that there are rules that are going to work at your table that may not work at my table, which may not work at your table. And that's why we kind of have to look at all these things to 
say, you know what? I think that would fit. I think that is an interesting rule to have. So definitely find them the same way. I'm very, uh, I'm not big on rules. I'm, I'm very much the rule of cool. I'm not. I'm here to have fun. Yes, you'll see me as Gutain in Battle Royale. Um, and you'll see that he Gutain is very strict and by the book and, and don't fuck about. But inside d and I'm very the opposite. I'm very much like triple backflip? Fuck yes! Deck save. Well, the PvP that we've created to play with for Gutain Massage, which is, you know, completely homebrewed by you and, you know, the people that you talk to to make the rules and stuff, like, you've created that. We've created that on Nerdy Northerners, and it's a very different it's monster D &D. than D&D. It is just PvP D&D. And it's fantastic. If you guys have never just fought against each other for the fun of it, just do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, but I think that another one of my rules for the table is staying immersed. In your characters like find who your character is and play that character and then make sure that you get to know and don't close yourself off so you come to play let me start that over I got really tongue-tied over the thought I was thinking so another rule in my game is is I don't like people who come to the table as a lone wolf mm -hmm. and I try my hardest to steer players away from being a lone wolf because I find that it detriments not only my ability to DM, mm -hmm. but also the ability for the rest of the group to immerse themselves together. Mm -hmm. I think that a person that has a one-man agenda and only wants to do one thing makes it very hard to have a group setting. And it's okay to have parts of your campaign where you're focused on an individual character and you're progressing their role-playing plot line, mm -hmm. but to just start the out of the gates as a lone wolf, you know, I don't get along with anybody, I hate these people, I hate this, I hate that. I think those make very hard characters to kind of, you know, mold in with other, you know, funner characters and characters that are, you know, willing to play together and be a group, because it's an adventuring group game. It, it's a group game. We definitely focus on the role play rules of things. I don't think either of us really add too much to the combat rules. We we try and leave those as simple and easy to follow as possible. We focus more on the role play because I think my combat, I, when I, I do like a whole rule segment in my session zeros, my combat is like three things long, which are, I think two of them are just re-explaining how the rules work in the book. <laughs> um, and then my role play is like uh, about a quarter of a page, probably like four or five notes. Uh, one of them that I find really important is just lost it. Um, oh, everyone has these moments in D and D, like a little spotlight. Maybe you're talking to the cleric, and you guys just all of a sudden start having this good conversation. Like that's just a moment that happens at it anyway. Anytime a player does anything, I talked about it with Kevin, and I, I love how he worded it. He called it a, um, an opportunity. And there's going to be all those times where I, as a DM, get an opportunity to do something with one player. I get an opportunity to further their character growth. They get an opportunity to further something about them. And then another player steps in. 
just like, fuck you, Baker, I hate you, go away. And then it's just like, oh, well, that opportunity is ruined. I'm glad I had a thought there that I can't use anymore. Take that and just throw it in the trash. So that's a big rule for mine is let people have those moments. If you see me, saw a player connecting with something, don't hop in. Maybe even ask if you can join in. Like if you see someone's having a conversation, have your character walk over and it is not interrupting on their scene. If you say, hey, uh, can I? And then they, they look back and they're like, nah. Then excellent that you, you've, you've done your due diligence to try and join the scene and you've been told maybe not. I 100% agree with that. I believe that the same social etiquette you would use in your everyday life should apply to how you would, your social etiquette playing in the game would be because like I said earlier you are still a being at the end of the day you may be an elf or a halfling or a tiefling or a human but you're there there are still social structures within the game that maintain the game that you're playing mm -hmm. and a normal being would not just run in and be like insert self <laughs> and if you do and that's who you are that's great but I think a lot of players who wouldn't normally do that in nor in real life tend to get caught up in the moment. And I think that player etiquette is a huge topic of conversation that you need to have with your players before you start playing with them. So always talk to your players talk. about everything that you do as a DM with them before you start DMing them. That way they can have all the information they need to know if it's a good fit for them. Excellent. I think we've done really well. We we've covered the the changes, the growth of three point five into fifth edition, and a lot of just general important rules at our tables. Uh, is it, we have a few seconds before we wrap up. Is there anything that you want to let our audience know to check out this week that you're going to be in? Plug any shows that you may be on this weekend, Nerdy Northerner. Well, since we are on the topic of D&D, &D, I do a D&D &D crafting show every Wednesday called Crafter's Corner. It starts at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can come there and watch me build an assortment of terrain and fun stuff. So it works in a four-week intervals where I build an entire set of terrain. So this four-week intervals theme is grassland, so we're building nine one-by-one grass tiles and then the scatter terrain to go on top so that you can have a full set of terrain to play on at your table for your different campaigns. I'm excited to use that. I'm excited to use that for Battle Rap. We've needed it. We've needed it. But it's a super fun show. You guys can learn a lot. And I'd uh, love to see you there. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming. And thank you all for joining me today. And my wonderful guest, Alicia. Thanks for having me. In Dungeon Master Discussions. Uh, I hope you all enjoy. Uh, make sure to check out our YouTube if you miss any part of this. And for previous episodes of Dungeon Master Discussions, uh, we're now on episode six. So we have now five extra weeks of previous episodes. You can go back and learn from, take different things that we talk about into your own game. So we hope that you've learned something today. Because I know I've definitely picked up a few things that I'm going to take home. But until next week, guys, we will see you all later. Take care. <laughs>